the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Properly understanding precisely what the gospel is and just how spiritually grand it is, it's amazing that we find ourselves ashamed to begin with. But that happens, which is why Paul has to say he's not. Afraid, ashamed to share the very thing that redeems and saves you for all time and all eternity. It's an odd thing, isn't it? But it is something that happens nonetheless, so much so the Apostle Paul has to stand up and say, yeah, but but I'm not. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. But you see, he understood and he knew it was the power of God unto salvation. And that is what we're exploring today here on Abounding Grace. Welcome to the program. Let's catch up with our teacher and pastor, Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose for today's broadcast. Hebrews 5.8, who in the days of his flesh with groanings and cries, he cried out to his father for grace and for strength. You know, he was surrounded by other unbelieving disciples. He was surrounded by an apostate Jewish people who were soon to lose their place and their kingdom. And yet he resisted to blood in his obedience to his father. Isn't that what Paul said in Philippians 2? That he will be exalted and extolled very high. For he humbled himself and became obedient even to the death of the cross. And you must have that righteousness. And don't forget what it cost the son of God. It cost his blood, of course. It cost him that feeling of separation from his father and the spirit and all the torment. I mean, he had to obey even while on the cross. And what was part of that obedience? We don't even begin to understand how deep this well goes. He did have to obey while on the cross. He had to willingly offer himself as the burnt offering for sin. He had to take the sin of all of his people upon himself. He had to take the sword of divine justice. He had to receive on himself all the terrors of hell and all of the horrors of death. He had to take all of that and submit himself to it. He had to. It was part of his obedience. He wasn't just passively up there on the cross, flailed out. There's all, that was already tried in the Old Testament. And it was an important sign. But all of those lambs could never take away the sin while they were flailed. They were senseless. They went to the slaughter dumb. They had no idea what they were doing. We had to have a perfect lamb. And he knew what he was doing. And that's why in the garden he was undone as he gazed upon the cup of judgment in front of him. He's not thinking about pain there, not physical pain. That is too far beneath the majesty of the Son of God. For mere mortals have gone to their graves through crucifixion with that pain. That is not it. 
It was knowing what he would go through on his way to that grave. I'm going to become the propitiation for all of the sins of all of my people for all times. My obedience is going to go to the very shout of it is finished. I have obeyed you, Father, perfectly. And there, my friends, is the gospel in a nutshell. When you stand before God on the last day, this must be your only plea because it will be the only plea that will deliver you from the wrath and the curse of God forever for which the cross is a picture for everyone who is now burning in hell at this moment. Do you want to know what hell is like? Look at the cross because everyone who does not look to the Lamb of God is going to go through that hell forever. And it won't do you any good because you will not be able to atone for your sins because it is a just, eternal punishment for your sins forever. So what is our plea? Father, you are holy. I am filthy. I can't do anything to please you, not one thing. Would you please look at your son and look away from me? Don't look at me. My corruption, my lies, my deceit, my discontentment, my meanness, my anger, my pride. Don't look at me in my filth. In fact, Father, I'm on your side when it comes to judging me. I stand with you and say, yes, filthy, condemned, unworthy, under the eternal punishment, uh, judgment of your wrathful hand. But God, please look at your son, not me. That is all of mine and your hope that God will see us covered in the blood of Christ Jesus and not look upon our filthiness. Not only did he suffer on the cross and pay the penalty for my sin, but he obeyed God perfectly. He did all of your holy will, Father. He kept every one of your commandments. He obeyed you unto death. So great was his love for me. Please accept him for me. And you know what happens when we make that plea? Not only do we need to make that plea once, but we need to make it all of our lives every day. Because we always need cleansing and we always need to be brought back to that fundamental starting point so we can have the strength to persevere. But do you know what that does? And do you know one of the reasons you can know You really have made that plea sincerely? How did you feel about Jesus Christ after making that plea? Did you simply say, hey, I'm I'm good to go. I've I've got my my get-out-of-hell-free card. I did what the preacher told me to do. God, I make my plea. Look at Jesus. Don't look at me. I'm in. Now let me go back to what I was doing. Well, guess what? If that's the plea you made, there was no sincerity in your heart, not the least bit. There may have been a little trembling, but understand trembling is not salvation. Trembling is not faith, but trembling is not salvation. Trembling faith is when we're after we're looking at that plea and seeing something of God's holiness and God shining that down into our heart, remembering the revelation of the gospel, we are humbled. We are humbled in the dust and we love the Son of God overwhelmingly, not perfectly, but we love Him. 
We adore him. We want to serve him. We want to talk about him. We want to worship him. We want to be where his people are. These are the fruits that come out of our sincere plea. And Paul will talk about them as we go through the book. But right here, Paul says, make the plea because the wrath is coming. Beloved, we see it around us today. God's wrath is marching through this land. Oh, you might say, well, it's not all that bad. You know what? If we took away all the sins and crime in this nation, except for one, and I get to pick it for the purposes of my illustration here, and it is murder. Think of the hundreds of thousands of people, and I'm not even including abortion. I'm talking about murders. Let's say in wars. How many people has the United States government murdered since the war between the states? Some of you may be mulling in your mind, well, it wasn't murder, it was war. Listen, if you go to war and it is not just and you kill people, it is murder. And the spilt blood screams out for the ground from the ground for revenge. And it doesn't matter if it is the Vietnamese killed by napalm or nuclear bombs dropped on Japan. It does not matter. God looks at that blood and he says, I'm going to require it of you. That is why we are seeing the unraveling of things in America today. I know everyone wants to be successful and have prosperous businesses and be happy and have a peaceful life. But understand, that is not God's main concern in history. God's main concern, listen, is His holiness and His righteousness and His justice. And you better tremble and you better realize when God goes to marching, there is only one thing that will save you. And it is not that you are patriotic. It is that you are covered with the righteousness of the Lamb of God and cleansed in His blood. Now, how do you get this? Well, he tells us in verse 17, it is revealed from faith to faith. What does that phrase mean? Well, I think the first part of the phrase from faith means this is a righteousness that comes from faith. Again, it's not of ourselves. It is wholly outside of us. It has to come to us as a free gift of God, but it is revealed to faith at the same time. In other words, to those who believe and look to the Son of God. What is Paul saying by this phrase? Faith is everything when it comes to righteousness. Now, please understand, he's not saying your faith saves you because faith has never saved anyone. He is not saying faith is a virtue. It is not a virtue. It is God's gift to us. In every way, we're faced with our total dependence upon God to have righteousness. But he's saying you must look away from yourself and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and fall down before him and not only desire the cleansing of his blood, but the virtue of his obedience. Because you see, we have a whole Savior. We have a whole gospel. He provides for our full need, and not only cleansing from guilt, but the provision for what we don't have in, in and of ourselves, a righteousness that will stand before God. 
And that's why Paul concludes with this quote from Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, at the end of verse 17. The just shall live by faith. I think he's saying there are two main things by this verse. One, that is the same thing the Old Testament taught. So never look at the Old Testament and think, well, you know, in the Old Testament, they were saved by keeping the law. And hypothetically, it was offered wrongly. No, it was never offered. You say, but wasn't it offered in the Mosaic Covenant? No, it was never offered in the Mosaic Covenant, not one time. Why do I say that? Because when Moses gathered all the people and all of the book of the law, what did he do? Sorry, this may be a little gruesome for some of you. He took a lamb and he ripped its neck and the blood just flowed. And then he got a hyssop branch. He dipped it in the blood and then sprinkled all over the people and over the law and over the covenant and over the tabernacle as if to say, you better look to blood, not to your own goodness. You're not saved by your righteousness. You are saved by the substitute that God has provided for you, Jesus Christ. And the other thing I believe this phrase says to us, do you want to live today? I don't mean do you want to live like an American. I don't mean do you want to live like they live, as you see in Southern Living, or the Wall Street Journal, or Norman Walkwell. I don't mean any of that. Do you want to live? How are we intended to live? We are intended to live in the joy of God's presence. We're intended to live in the delight of His presence and not hide from it, not sew together a bunch of old silly fig leaves to cover our private parts. That's not how we are created to live. You see, brethren, we are created to bask in the presence of the living God, to delight in Him, to rejoice in Him, to find in Him our good, and to say, it's not enough for me that my God and my Maker loves me. That is my reward, that I am loved by my Maker, and that I get to serve Him. It may be in a little place. It may be in a bigger place. It doesn't matter because I'm not trying to draw attention to myself. I want him to be praised. I want only to live in him. How do we get to live that way? And I'm not just speaking of heaven. I know Christians who have tasted a little bit of this. Some of you have. The joy of God's presence. The joy of I'm serving my God. I'm serving my Redeemer. I'm serving my God who has made me righteous. How do we get that? You have to believe the gospel. You have to believe in faith righteousness like Abraham did. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him or imputed to him for righteousness. Do you believe that? If you believe that this day, rejoice in it. Because the key in the lock of your consciousness has then just clicked. Do you know what happens to you until you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? There's always this gnawing seed of guilt, fear, and terror. Not a lot of people strive to silence it, or a lot of people, sorry, strive to silence it, to cauterize it. 
And some people just think, give themselves over to sin. Oh, we see these people out there. They're the ones who make the headlines. Total decadence, total perversion. I'm going to do everything to silence this by going into hell now, so it will be no surprise to me when I actually get there. But you know what happens when we look to the Lamb of God as our cleansing and our righteousness? The one key that opens the cell door of the condemned sinner, and there is only one key, and it is the righteousness that God gives us through Jesus Christ. And the lock clicks, the door opens, and the sinner who was terrorized now becomes humbled and thankful and assured of God's love. The sinner who was once a slave to other people's opinions of him, a slave to his own fear of God, he is suddenly able to be open before God and before others. I've got nothing to hide because my only boast is in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified with me and I unto the world. Let me ask you a question. What does your conscience tell you today? Does your conscience tell you the door is open or is it shut? You might say, my conscience? Yes. Remember what Paul said? He said, if your conscience condemns you, remember, God is greater than your conscience. So if there is trembling, if there is fear, oh, I don't know, Pastor Gary, when I stand before God, I mean, I've heard this Jesus stuff all my life, but I don't know if that's going to, well, if that's what you're thinking, then the door is locked. That is not the same thing as a believer who struggles. We all do. I do. I need to turn to Christ every single day and throughout the day. And I attempt to do so. But fundamentally, the door has to be open. The flesh is always wanting to shut it back up. But Christ in the gospel will always be busting it open. But it has to be opened that first time, my friends. You have to lay down your hostility to the gospel and admit, I am filthy. God is holy. I'm condemned. And the only thing I can do is to bow before the cross and say, Lord, you have to give me your righteousness that I cannot muster in my own strength. For I have sinned against you. And then God will. He'll give it to you this very moment if you repent and believe the gospel. Now, some of you may be thinking, man, that was a very simple sermon you gave today. I've heard this stuff all my life. Great. Be thankful. But let me ask you, is the lightning from the throne still flashing when you hear this kind of stuff? Is it still flashing? Or are you saying, can we just go on to something else? I mean, I need to fix my family. Beloved, families are not fixed until God's holiness is seen and my sinfulness is seen. And I fall down before his majesty as a husband and a father and confess my sin. Dads, do you want to fix your home? You can attend every conference offered on every single coast in this land. But until you are truly humbled underneath the throne and the majesty of God, he is not going to lift your family because it will only make you prideful and make you follow other men. 
He will have you humble yourself under his hand and confess your sin, saying, Father, you are holy. I am not. Would you give me as a gift the holiness I need in my own life so I can be a godly example to my family? Is the lightning still flashing? Do you love Jesus? Do you truly adore the Son of God? Do you say, well, I want to hear more of his loveliness. I want to spend more time in his word. I know I have to go to work and that's fine. But boy, I just look forward to that 30 minutes I can spend with him when I can get home and read more of what Jesus has done for me. I want to know more of him. I want more of those times when people ask me, why are you different? Why don't you curse when the God piles, when, when the boss piles up more work? Why are you so calm? Why are you so peaceful? It is because I have received righteousness. Because I am forgiven of my sins through the blood of the Lamb. Beloved, is that you? I mean, we can read and study this book of Romans over the next couple of years. And it can certainly make us feel good that we studied Romans. But did it humble you? Do you see your need for a fresh application of the gospel of the crucified, obedient Lamb of God? If, if, not, Romans is not going to, if not, Romans is not going to do you any good because the book of Romans is not written to make you feel better. It is supposed to exalt the majesty and the grace and the mercy of God so that as you find yourself in Him, then you'll feel better. But you will feel better by forgetting yourself because when you see His glory and His majesty, all of the trouble in this life is light and momentary in comparison to the glory that God has given to us through His Son. You see, God shakes the heavens and the earth when His gospel is preached. He offers His power and His righteousness to us. As you look at the Lamb of God, don't be horrible ingrates, because the gospel is the power of God and the revelation of His righteousness. So don't just back and say, I've heard all this before. No, embrace all of this and let the gospel continue to transform your life. Last thought. When the church is humbled by this again, this nation may just be changed. But one thing is certain. There is no power. There is no righteousness in the American system now. Salvation for a system and for a government, just like the individual, is going to have to come from the outside in. And who are the only ones in this country who know where to find it? They don't have a D on their chest. and They don't have an R on their chest. They have a cross engraved in their souls. Because they know there is only one place a nation can go to get righteousness. And there is only one place a nation can go to get cleansing. And it is at the foot of the cross and of the Lamb of God who suffered and died for us. Christian, do you want to change this country? 
Do you want to labor for a better tomorrow in this country? Then you get on your face before the gospel and ask God to thrill your heart with it again. And then for Him to loose the cords of your tongue and tell people about Him who has had compassion upon your soul. You give the witness and you give the testimony and God will shine His power and He will give His righteousness. But until then, but not until then, I'm sorry. He is so complete. Beloved, He has everything we need. Call on Him today. Well, that's all the time we have. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. It is our goal and desire that you would abound in grace through the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And that is why we come to you on a daily basis. Now, as we close out our time together, we also realize that some of these messages that are presented here on Abounding Grace are well worth reviewing again at your convenience. Maybe you joined us a bit late. Well, we have copies on CD. They're just $5. Mention today's date as you call or write to us. Here's how to get in touch with us. The phone number is 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're welcome to also visit our website, learn a bit more about us. We're at reformedheritage.org. Again, reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, if you would love to partner with us, if you're feeling led of the Lord to become a financial partner with us as we continue this ministry here on this station, please write to us at PMB number 402. And the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, The zip code is 95032. Or, again, simply call us, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to join us for worship. Sunday services here at Reformed Heritage Church are at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. We meet at the Lone Hill Church 2 in the afternoon. Directions can be found at reformedheritage.org or by, again, calling 408 866-5607. We thank you for joining us and trust we'll see you again next time we get together for another broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.